Hi, and welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded, land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and rising. Today I'm talking to Paul Caston at Deep End Pizza. Paul previously worked in fine dining, but wanted to put down the tweezers and bring rarely found authentic regional American pizza styles to Australia. He opened Deep End Pizza last March in the space formerly occupied by Hammer and Tong, just off Brunswick Street in Fitzroy. And it's been gloriously popular ever since he first opened the doors. Deep End's Detroit, Chicago and New York style pizzas are each made with a different dough, a different oven and different care. The bases are meticulously crafted using a variety of flours, fermentation times, handling techniques and baking temperatures. What I loved about talking to Paul was the many surprises along the way in this conversation. There was a time early on when Paul thought he might like to be a poet and embarked on a university degree to pursue this before deciding that perhaps that was not the path for him. However, there's much that is poetic in the story of his life thus far. He set up a cookie business at the age of nine and loved how happy his cookies made people. Then he worked his way up over the years to the role of sous chef and beer director in award-winning farm-to-plate restaurant Wildwood in Portland, Oregon, a job that he loved. Following that venture, he got more into running beer and food matching events and happened to be offered a position as head chef in a pizza restaurant, an idea that did not appeal to him at the time. In an unexpected plot twist, he moved to Melbourne and opened his own pizza joint. There were a few steps in between, and he now loves seeing how happy his pizzas make people. If that's not circular narrative, I'm not sure what is. I'm sure you'll love this chat as much as I did. Okay, so Paul, can we start off with, maybe let's start with how you became a chef. Was that something you always knew you wanted to do? Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, my mother was, uh, or is, uh, a very good home cook, and uh, I, I enjoyed getting uh, cookies and things like that uh, when I was a little kid, and uh, I actually, actually led to my first uh, food business when I was nine years old. Hi. I uh, baked... Uh, giant chocolate chip cookies that were uh, sold at a shop in a touristy area near home. And, uh, and where was home? Uh, this was in southeastern Connecticut. So, yep, uh, as, a, <laughs> as a nine-year-old, I was making $16 a week. And, wow. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> buying all the baseball cards that I wanted. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do my best not to save <laughs> all, the, all the kinds of things that uh, kids do. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of actually getting into commercial kitchens, um, well, they let me. My parents let me take a gap year after high school, so I, well, needing something to do, I got a job as a dishwasher at a local Mexican restaurant. And uh, yeah, as uh, as one year led to two, they started giving me more and more things to do, and 
Yeah, before you know it, then uh, we'll have a full-time chef. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> can you remember what it was that you liked about it, that, that kept you there for the second year and then onwards? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think at that age I was probably most drawn to just uh, having an income and some freedom. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I said I'd, I'd always really enjoyed food, so, uh, you know, trying to do it as well as I could and uh, make people happy it was all, you know, it was a nice, nice part of it. But, uh, I think uh, I got to what about that, that second year point, and they started trying to steer me toward a management track. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I took a look at my boss who was you know, working about 60 hours a week and just seemed exhausted and miserable all the time and thought, whoa, I don't want to do that. So I uh, went ahead and uh, enrolled in uni. <laughs> um, there I decided, uh, well, pick another impractical career path. Uh, I, I decided I wanted to be a poet. So. Uh, Went to the University of Iowa, where they've got uh, a fantastic creative writing program, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I suppose as uh, you know, that being my first time, you know, really out out and away from home and uh, fully free and whatnot, uh, I probably didn't, I didn't take it nearly as seriously <laughs> as I as I could have, and uh, uh, I, I feel like I. I kind of got got out there with a better idea of what I didn't want than than what I did. Mm. And, uh, so, yeah, I, at times did very well in school. Other times, yeah, just really lacked the focus and interest, and uh, found found myself uh, back in uh, back in the kitchen out there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I went on for a. For a few years before I decided, well, that's probably time to actually take this seriously. And what kind of food was it then? So you went from Mexican to uh, started. Mexican to um, Italian, mm. and then to I guess what you would call uh, modern American, you know, doing a, a little bit, a uh, little bit nicer food, tasting menus, things like that. Uh, getting to actually learn some things, which uh, I enjoyed, but uh, yeah. Still, kind of that uh, that old school uh, kitchen experience, where you know, working crazy hours for uh, very low pay, and uh, oh yeah, I suppose you're exposed to all the other uh, kind of dark side of the industry at that stage. All yeah. The, uh, you know, the negativity of work, uh, the excessive partying, and all of those things. And, uh, and when was that? Yeah. Was that? That would have been, oh boy, when I went out there for uni, it would have been uh, 98, so I guess back into the kitchen full time, it would have been about 2000. Mm. That's sort of the, <laughs> the ripe time of the rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Years yeah, in the but, kitchen, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I, yeah, fortunately, I, better, I fared better through that than, uh, than uh, a lot of friends did. But, uh, mm. Uh, so, yeah, when I decided finally, you know, well, if I'm going to do this, I should probably <laughs> buckle down and get serious. Uh, moved, uh, moved back toward the East Coast, uh, uh, 
landed uh, just a few hours north of New York City, and uh, yeah, got a job at you know what's the best restaurant in a uh, you know, medium-sized city, uh, you know, very old-school uh, steakhousey kind of fine diner. Uh, really good wine program, but you know that kind of uh, sad, stodgy old '60s style. Uh, <laughs> Uh, food, uh, lots of bernets and giant cuts of meat and uh, things like that. And was all your training on the job? Uh, at, up to this point, yeah. 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 And uh, these guys opened a, uh, an upscale Italian restaurant, so having some, some background in that. Uh, I went over there and uh, within a few months uh, was into my first head chef job. <laughs> wow, wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, simply completely unprepared for that uh, that sort of, uh, of leadership role at that stage, but uh, yeah, did well enough with the food and uh, kept things turning over without any major disasters. And uh, how many seats was it? Uh, that would have been uh, about probably about ninety seats. Oh, so it's big. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, fairly good size, and yeah. uh, we, we would do a pretty good turnover there. Yeah. And were you given a menu to do, or did you have to come up with a menu as well? Yeah, basically, I I, I inherited the uh, the menu from the opening chef, and basically slowly made tweaks from there. Mm. Uh, there were a lot of things that that I couldn't touch, uh, things, but like some favorites they'd brought over from their other place, and uh, uh, yeah. Some uh, that carried over from uh, the the previous restaurant on the site there. They've been uh, some those famous old uh, family Italian places. Mm. Uh, yeah, and uh, after what, about a year of that, it was time to actually go go and uh, <laughs> get an education in uh, in cooking. So. Went up to Burlington, Vermont, uh, went to the New England Culinary Institute, which you know, at the time was neck and neck with the CIA in terms of the uh, you know, top cooking schools. So, yeah, I guess there I got to fill in a lot of the blanks and you know, what I'd learned on the job and, uh, and really gave me a big leg up you know, to, to, toward getting into a, a better place uh, coming out of that. I think sometimes it, it can be good to do it that way around because then you know what you need to know, don't you? So you're going in and you are filling in the, the blanks and you're under, and maybe understanding some of those things that you had just been shown and you were doing, you know, whatever. It can be an interesting way to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I think it, in a lot of ways I definitely got more out of that experience than uh, some of the kids coming in at, at 18 with... Uh, little to no actual job experience. Mm. Uh, I, they, there was a requirement that they spend X number of months uh, in a restaurant environment before coming over, but you know, it, yeah, six months working at a McDonald's or something like that is oh, yeah. really going to give you a lot Different. of context for, <laughs> yeah. uh, for what we were doing. Yeah. And certainly as an adult learner, um, <laughs> appreciating that I was paying for it. Uh, in a, makes you take things a little bit more seriously. And were you doing it that at the same time as the job, or did you take um, a step no, away? No, I, I stepped away from the job. Yeah. I, was, I was still uh, I was working a few days a week uh, at, uh, at another Italian restaurant up, up there in, in Burlington, just uh, have a little bit of spending money. But, uh, yeah. yeah, for the most part, it was just school, school, school. 
And how long did how long was that course? Uh, that was about two years. Oh, okay. uh, it, for me, it was a year and a half that let me go through an uh, accelerated version of the program. But uh, yeah, that was about sixty hours a week on site, uh, mostly mostly hands on classes, oh, nice. uh, very little lecture time or anything like that. It mm. was almost all actually. Doing, doing what you're supposed to be learning rather than uh, taking notes and getting ready for your chance to drive. So. And did that change um, the kind of venue you then wanted to work in, or did it? Um, or what did that lead to? Well, I think uh, yeah, it, it definitely gave me uh, a lot more. Gave me the tools to uh, walk into a, a much more serious kitchen. Uh, you know. It, Feel like I wasn't uh, you know, completely out of my depth, and uh, and just the uh, the contacts through the school with uh, chefs who had come through that program also you know, gave me access to uh, to a lot of fairly good places. So, mm. so that uh, led me to Portland, Oregon, where uh, uh, yeah, uh, our Nephew alum was the exec at uh, a place called Wildwood, and says. Uh, Famous old uh, farm table restaurant that uh, won a James Beard Award a few years earlier, and uh, basically one of the uh, one of the real pioneers of, uh, of that kind of local board movement up in, uh, up in the Northwest. Wow! And, and what was your role there? Oh, I I, I started out at the uh, <laughs> at the bottom end of, uh, <laughs> of the totem pole, and just, uh, yeah, we don't really. Uh, Go through, go through all the uh, brigade system rankings there, so I would, I would have been uh, called a line cook at the time. Okay, yeah. But uh, it took me about two years to make sous chef, and, uh, and that's what I was for the next uh, six years. <laughs> so it must have been a great place to work mm -hmm. then, because that's a long, it's a nice period of time to spend in one place. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was you know, another one of those uh, really... Uh, Harsh competitive work environments, but it was also, you know, it, once you reached a certain point, they, they gave us a lot of freedom to uh, to do what we want. I was able to you know, write my own menus, uh, set up my own events, and mm. uh, yeah, they, they let me. Uh, yeah, I got to got to learn a whole lot that way, and uh, and the products and the, the skill of the staff were. So good that uh, you know, whether or not everybody got along or uh, or just felt completely run down all the time, we all knew that we were uh, doing great work. And, uh, happy to be there. Mm. And when you say farm to table, was there a farm there? Or uh, no, we basically sourced nearly all of the uh, ingredients we would use in thing uh, from uh, produce through to dairy, flowers, all of that within about a 200 mile radius of the, uh, the restaurant. Yeah. So in the summers, I'd get, I would be on the phone with 30, 40 different purveyors at any, on any given week. So-and-so's beans are amazing, so-and-so's spinach is amazing. Yeah, we'd have uh, people we used for all these things. Mm. Yeah, but, uh, definitely, yeah, I think to see to appreciate uh, well, with, uh, the difference between real quality produce and uh, and just, uh, 
the mediocre stuff you see in the, in the supermarkets and whatnot, and also that that uh, that connection to the people who are uh, who are growing this stuff uh, mm. is uh, something that I really wish we saw more of here. But. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so, why did you leave that place? Oh boy, well, yeah, little. Uh, Ownership disputes. Uh, they've had to shut down oh. in, uh, in what was it? early uh, 2014. We got just a few weeks' notice. Uh, we're coming up on the, the restaurant's 20th birthday. And, oh goodness! Uh, we're having one of our strongest uh, years ever. And uh, yeah, they. Uh, let's see. I can remember exactly how this went. So I believe the. Uh, the chef and uh, general manager both had minority sticks in the restaurant. We're trying to uh, buy out the uh, the majority owner, and there was a, a renegotiation of the lease agreement tied up in all of this. And uh, the owner, you know, uh, old billionaire steel guy, and the landlord uh, absolutely hated each other. Wow! And uh, the landlord made kept trying to make make sure that the owner would benefit as little as possible out of uh, out of this out of the transfer and yeah, finally the owner's CFO just threw his hands up in a meeting one day and said nope that's it <laughs> shut it down wow <laughs> just out of spite you know in the end, aside from you know, losing a place to come and eat once or twice a week, it yeah. was no skin off his back. So. Wow. <laughs> Shame. Yeah. <laughs> so then that pushed you where? Oh, boy. Well, uh, during, that, during that time at Wildwood, I'd, uh, I'd started uh, doing uh, a lot of uh, beer and food matching dinners. Oh. Uh, that's something that uh, so nobody in the area had been doing at a high level. And uh, I was a big beer nerd, and we were, uh, just kind of came up in a brainstorming session. Where we were trying to figure out what to do with our uh, private dining areas in, uh, in the quieter months. So I'd started doing that, and uh, it was a big success. And it spiraled to the point where you know, I was doing one of those every month, and uh, being uh, flown down to the Great American Beer Fest every year to uh, cook there. And, uh, so after Wildwood closed, uh, it took a few months to actually <laughs> try to relax and decompress a bit, and uh, then uh, started working on a uh, restaurant project with a, uh, with a local brewery. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we actually got as far as uh, signing a lease on the space, only to uh, run into some issues with city zoning. Uh, you know, basically after. Uh, after a couple of years of, uh, <laughs> of uh, yeah, setbacks in that process, I uh, decided that uh, they wanted to do just a smaller, more casual uh, pizza sort of concept. And, uh, at, at the time, I've uh, given given my experience and where I'd been working. I mean, I'd always I'd always loved pizza. Mm. Uh, I would have friends over regularly to uh, cook pizzas at home on the weekends, but you know I didn't really see myself as uh, ever ending up a pizza chef. <laughs> so, uh, 
So yeah, I may have turned my nose up at that <laughs> idea a little bit, and then uh, started exploring other options. Uh, I'd looked at uh, maybe yeah, going out to Chicago. Uh, it's a great dining scene there, and uh, I had had a few contacts through uh, through um, my uh, beer work, and could get me into some good places, but. Uh, in the meantime, I'd been flown down to, uh, yeah, down to Wellington to cook at a beer festival there. Oh. Yeah, uh, with five Portland brewers. We were doing uh, beer and food matching seminars at uh, Birvana. Yeah, it's when I met the team from Good Beer Week. <laughs> right, <laughs> okay. Yeah, they were all over there just to uh, check out what was happening at Birvana and have a, have a little break of their Good own. Good New Zealand beer as well, that's <laughs> mm-hmm. right. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 fantastic stuff over there. So, you know, I, as I was kind of leaning toward uh, heading to Chicago, uh, uh, I reached out to uh, Good Beer Week here and thought, well, there might be some... Uh, some event stuff that we can get you going on here. Would you be interested in coming down? Uh, uh, <laughs> at the at the time, I you know really wasn't tied to anything. But, oh, yeah, it seemed it's like a at least an exciting opportunity. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. and they obviously mm-hmm. leapt at the chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, Looked at uh, getting into some regular uh, restaurant work down here. So, uh, yeah, I, I would need a little bit more than uh, part-time event work to carry me through. Um, wasn't having a, a whole lot of luck uh, nailing down a sponsored uh, position, uh, well, at least while I was still uh, over in the states. So basically, said, "What the heck." gathered all my stuff and uh, flew down. <laughs> and, uh, so when was that? I started looking for work. That was November 2015. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Good on you. What an adventure. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and by that stage, had you been here? Um, no, no. That was, uh, oh. that was my, my first trip here. <laughs> With all your stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, what I could fit in five suitcases. <laughs> Wow, what was your what was your impression when you arrived? Oh boy, um, I think uh, really that's, it feels quite a bit like home. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> no no major culture shock really. Uh, to to a degree, the city's a city, um, people are people. So mm. you know, it's like aesthetically, it's a little different, but uh, yeah. Uh, uh, artsy, liberal kind of vibe uh, for, you know, we get around here. It's really you know, quite a bit like, like Portland or Seattle, those kind of places. So. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so then did you find work? Oh, yeah, I, I did. I, <laughs> I, I, basically, just in time, I got, uh, I got myself a 457 visa-sponsored job. Uh, and uh, go too much into that. That's, uh, <laughs> that turned out to be the only job I've uh, had to quit in oh, 20 years okay. of doing this. But, uh, That's a shame. <laughs> um. uh, yeah, yeah. 
Christmas. And simply, I opened a opened a new venue, and uh, oh, everything wasn't going swimmingly with uh, staffing right off the bat. We were uh, about twice as busy as we had expected to be, and yeah, I was giving them 80, 90 hours a week, and uh, basically nothing was nothing was quite enough. Mm. So, uh, uh, yeah, by the time I'd been reminded how grateful I should be for my sponsorship a couple of times. Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, a very nice welcome, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Maintain mm. a little self-respect. I just had to walk away. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, by that time, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, by that time I had a, a new relationship here with uh, my well, my. Well, still partner uh, Kate, who uh, wanted to get us on a, a sponsored visa or a, a, a partnership visa track, and uh, yeah, then we just started uh, kind of exploring what other uh, what other work options there were mm. for me here. I think uh, really in a lot of ways, I found a lot of uh, Australian employers kind of looked at me sideways. It's the kind of don't really know the places that I've worked in the States, the quality of that, or have these ideas that we just make Mexicans do all of our work for us, oh. uh, things oh. like that. But, yeah, I've, I've, I've been told all of, the, all of these things oh, uh, how by, by uh, Australian chefs. Okay. But, uh, oh. Yeah, you know, uh, actually after, yeah, it's uh, a little bit of a, uh, Bouncing around from uh, between jobs, helping helping some friends out here and there, uh, from got into a serious place. Uh, I took over the kitchen and host dining in uh, in Brunswick. Mm. So, yeah, cute little uh, sixty seater in the, in the back streets off of uh, Sydney Road. Ah, oh, lovely. Yeah, got to. Got to do some nice, uh, nice contemporary food. To, uh, yeah, back to uh, working with the best of everything. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and chefs under me coming from great kitchens all over the world. Was, uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, I always had good help, and I had people that I was actually learning from as well. As uh, oh, how as great! Yeah. So, yeah. That was a great experience. And when did you have the idea to uh, to open <laughs> Deep End? Oh, yeah, it's a, well, Deep End, this really uh, came out of the, the pandemic. Right. <laughs> I, I was uh, still on a temporary visa when the first lockdown happened. So I basically, because I didn't qualify for JobKeeper, my, my job at the time just went away. And, uh, didn't get any assistance from the government here. So we had to uh, yeah, start living off of my superannuation. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, all of that fun stuff. So looked at uh, the kind of the kind of businesses that were actually still hanging in there and uh, doing okay through the lockdowns. Well, I've always really <laughs> enjoyed uh, making pizza. Never actually never taken a stab at doing it professionally. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I just uh, 
ordered some pans from the States and we started uh, sort of tinkering in, uh, in my kitchen at home. And, uh, and well, that led to, <laughs> I, I suppose, through, through the main, the first two big lockdowns, mostly uh, working toward trying to find a place to pop up and uh, do a casual little Detroit-style uh, takeaway thing. So just to kind of test the waters. And what is the Detroit style? Uh, the Detroit style is the, that's the little uh, square pizza, uh, light focaccia-like base, um, crispy cheese around the rim. And and so you did the pop-up and that, and because I'm really interested in these different American <laughs> regional pizzas. Yeah. How does that even come about? Like, how does it come about that there is a Detroit style and a New York style and a oh, Chicago boy. style? <laughs> Actually, well, get uh, Detroit style and Chicago style. These are both things that came around uh, pretty, pretty early after uh, World War II. Both, uh, both 1940s developments, uh, and in the case of Detroit style, uh, uh, owner of uh, Little uh, tavern called Buddy's Rendezvous put uh, put his uh, assigned his wife the task of coming up with some kind of pizza offering because he heard about uh, uh, this new pizza thing that all the guys coming back from Europe uh, were excited about, and uh, she had taken some family bread recipe and. Uh, Put it into these blue steel uh, tool trays that were just kind of ubiquitous around Detroit at the time. Ah. The uh, auto industry being there, and uh, topped them up with pizza stuff, and uh, that, that's uh, that's where that came from. Wow, that's really interesting. And is there a lot of topping, or is it is it is the so the, the base is quite high then? Is the base it? is quite high. Um, so. Be say, uh, a little more heavily topped than uh, than our New York styles, but that's uh, no, not 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 righteous heavy amount. It's uh, not nearly as decadent as the the deep dish. Yes. Okay. Mm. So the deep dish is different again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, that. Uh, well, obviously in Chicago, um, also right around that 1946 mark. Um, a place called uh, Pizzeria Uno started up. They uh, yeah, decided, uh, for whatever reason, uh, there's actually some, uh, still a fair bit of debate uh, around exactly who came up with the idea, why they did it, and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, they started building a crust in a deep pan and so it's piling everything into it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there was a uh, uh, I guess one of the other, one of the other big ones now, uh, is called uh, Lou Malnati's. Uh, Lou, it, he was one of the original chefs at Pizzeria Uno, and uh, he, uh, there's a, a whole lot of uh, <laughs> uh, disagreement, I suppose you'd say, uh, there about who who came up with what, who who's IP, blah blah blah. He so he, he claims that. The whole thing was his idea, and he's, he left and started his own shop, which is yeah, going strong today. Uh, uh, stores all over the place. Uh, and um, in the night, uh, it was 
somewhere around 74. Uh, two other shops apparently had, at the same time came up with this great idea to make a, a new kind of uh, deep dish Chicago pizza uh, called the, the stuffed pizza. Oh, yes. Which is, this is what we serve. Uh, it's uh, deeper yet and uh, <laughs> as a second layer of dough, all of the cheese and toppings in between and uh, sauce on, on the top. Oh, so, okay. Uh, taking something that's you know, probably an inch or so deep and building it up to yeah, something that would uh, fill a deep pie pan. <laughs> and is that an individual serving or are you... Is I mean, because it sounds like it would be pretty big. <laughs> Just yeah, our 10-inch our, our size, which uh, doesn't sound like or actually look like a tremendous amount of pizza, actually weighs about two kilos and will wow. feed uh, <laughs> four to six people, depending on how, uh, yeah. how hungry everyone is. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the New York-style pizza. So that's the thin one, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. And that... that uh, Basically uh, evolved in the uh, uh, very early 1900s in New York, uh, recent Italian immigrants are kind of recreating the, the pizzas they remembered from, uh, from back home using, uh, using local ingredients, uh, and, uh, well, different, different flours, different ovens, and all this kind of stuff led to them uh, basically making a... Uh, <clears throat> A pizza that baked a lot longer at a lower temperature, get uh, this crispy, evenly brown thing instead of the fluffy, uh, soft uh, uh, Neapolitan slice that, that everybody knew before that. Mm. And uh, yeah, I guess in, in terms of uh, New York pizza, like, uh, it's kind of important to distinguish between. What do you think of? It's the uh, the cheap uh, street slice, which is tends to be softer, breadier, uh, uh, greasier, <laughs> versus um, what the handful of you know the, the really old school shops and the the higher quality new guys are doing, which is uh, a, a fluffier, much crispier, thinner crust, lightly topped, very deeply evenly brown not not charred as a as a Neapolitan wood at, a, at much higher temperatures um, that it, it's just something that's uh, aimed more at uh, at the quality end of the end mm. of the market than uh, just uh, grab and go so I kind of jumped ahead because you were saying you want, you were doing pop-ups of Detroit-style pizza. So mm -hmm. then how did you go from, obviously that was a roaring success, and you thought, let's <laughs> have more of a challenge and throw in some different bases. Oh, actually, <laughs> no, I, I didn't get, get um, I didn't actually get oh. all the way to, <laughs> to popping up. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, I got as far as uh, buying a commercial pizza oven, which is still sitting under my, uh, <laughs> the, the, the steps in my, in my house, <laughs> it's a, a really interesting opportunity came up uh, to open the Deeds Brewing Tap Room ah. in uh, Glen Iris. Uh, they basically 
threw a whole bunch of money into doing a really fancy uh, fit out and wanted a really high quality food experience to go with that. And uh, so wanting to uh, do high end food and beer is something I was, I was still very interested in. Uh, so went and had a couple of meetings with those guys. And when they uh, basically gave me carte blanche to do uh, whatever I wanted with the, with the menu, uh, I thought, oh, wow, <laughs> this could be a lot of fun. So basically we're doing a fine dining at a brewery, tasting menus, uh, yeah, fun little tweezer food, fun with uh, doing everything the hardest, most labor-intensive way possible. Yeah, wow. uh, Yeah. It's a small well, kitchen in there too. Oh, I was just oh, there yeah. recently, and it's the it's a beautiful place. You know, mm-hmm. it's so great to see all the vets and everything, but it's classy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Very very small kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did notice that. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think they were basically. I was the only spot that they could put the kitchen yeah, <laughs> due yeah. to uh, something of the the loading bay up above. Um, the amount of space that they needed for toilets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, we became wedged into that little corner. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> we got to, we would still manage to have, oh boy, maybe five or six people working in there <laughs> at, yeah. any, at any given time. So, it was crowded, it was hot, but yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, we had uh, lots of diners come in and say, oh, wow, we, you know, we had a taste of the cumulus last week, and we liked this better. Thank you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. you know, we definitely got you know, to do some good work and had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> yeah. Um, I, I told the guys you know, going in that I'd been, uh, I'd been thinking about doing this pizza thing and you know I'll, I'll give you a year but you know if, it, if something comes up <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to have to make a quick exit <laughs> yeah so we continued just casually looking around at, uh, at spaces and uh, it was ooh, somewhere around uh, March last year this one became available okay and actually this was uh Back when it was Hammer and Tongue, this was uh, one of uh, my early dates with Kate. When, uh, oh, wow. Was, uh, of course it is. Melbourne. That's right. I have been here <laughs> when I was there. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, so the, the uh, size of the space worked well for us, the location, I and mean, it's, it's an easy walk to home. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, so, uh, oh, but, just the, the way it was left, uh, we're fortunate enough to have all of the refrigeration in place and all these things. But we, we had to do this on a, on a shoestring budget. This, uh, you know, this is say, a little, little family and friends project. So we, we didn't have the money to do, a, to do a big refurb, buy a lot of fancy things, uh, and all that. So looking around, we painted all all of these walls ourselves. Wow, uh, okay, yeah. So you could probably tell that we made the cushions for the bedheads. Oh, that's <laughs> good. It's not quite perfect. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. And, uh, 
Yeah. A lot of shopping on Facebook Marketplace. Like, uh, all these tables came out of a pizzeria up High Street. Okay. Chairs were from a fish and chipper in Geelong. And, uh, like I actually spent more on that pizza oven than basically everything else that we did here combined. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how many ovens have you got? So, yeah, that has uh, three separate oven decks. So okay. All independently controlled. So one for each style of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and is it hard? Oh, is it hard to, this is a stupid question. Is it hard to manage three different styles of pizza? I mean, it's what you do. But how many, so for each style, how many versions are there? Uh, so we're doing three Chicago versions. And that we've just kept static since we opened. Um, and, uh, don't mess with the classic sort of situation there. Um, in terms of Detroit and New York, I think we're at uh, seven or eight options for each of those. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> nice. There's a lot to, to think about. Oh, yeah. It's, it definitely keeps us busy. <laughs> busy. And how big is right. your kitchen staff? Ah, right now, got uh, myself and one full-timer and oh. a, a couple of casuals. Okay. Oh, so Actually, and a, and a full-time cake. Uh, so. so you're definitely um, mm-hmm. on the tools. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in there like, nearly every minute that we're open. Yes. <laughs> and what was the reception? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, the response, I think, was yeah, really better than we could have hoped for. We were absolutely rammed from the get-go. Um, We've got about like, 58 seats in here, and we're doing uh, like 150 or more covers a night. Uh, so each night we were open for the first few months, and then, uh, carried on at nearly that level almost up to uh, up to the holidays, six months in. So, yeah. Congratulations, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And is it what you imagined? Oh, boy. You know, actually, it... Uh, <laughs> It did, it's kind of made me wonder why I uh, spent so many years trying to impress people with uh, fancy food, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just putting a, putting a great pizza in front of them. Everybody lights up immediately. Uh, yeah, there's, a, <laughs> there's just uh, a lot more smiling and laughter than uh, you know, if we've you know, experienced in a dining room before. So that's been, uh, that's been really great. It's like a full circle to when you were nine and doing your baking, isn't it? And just oh, the yeah, happiness yeah. that it gives people. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that part's been wonderful. Okay. Yeah. So I guess then, often my final question is, what would your advice be to someone who was thinking of becoming a chef? Oh, boy. Well, uh, first, have a, have a serious thought uh, about how much, uh, how much of your time and uh, how, how fully you, you want to commit to your work. Um, obviously, there, there are kitchen jobs that don't require you to be, <laughs> I suppose, uh, fully engaged and push, push, push every moment of your life, but they're probably not, also not the most uh, gratifying ones either. So, uh, if, if you want to be able to do this well, uh, 
it, it's going to take a lot of long, hard physical hours of, uh, of doing it. You're going to need the the drive to you know, keep learning independently. Um, and a lot of patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have an outlet for your poetry side? <laughs> Oh, I wish. Um, unfortunately, I became a chef. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Paul Caston at Deep End Pizza. You can check out all the pizza fabulousness, including their massive five kilogram Chicago deep dish party pie, which is an autumn special. That's on Instagram at Deep End Pizza, all one word. And if you liked what you heard and want to hear more stories from other chefs, I'm on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. You can read the chat at www.conversationwithachef.com. And I would love it if you told my friends, told my friends, or perhaps your own friends, about my chats. You can, of course, follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts if you like. Once again, thanks for listening and have a great day.